0: What's up, y'all, and welcome into The Jack Vita Show. Greetings to those who are watching us right now live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As many of you can see, I brought along a friend. He's Garrett Powell. He was on The Bachelorette. Welcome back to the show, Garrett. How are you? How are you?
1: I'm good. JV, how are you, man? Thanks for having I'm, me back.
0: Oh, I'm great. It's a great time of the year in the world of sports. Um, before we tackle all the football today, I must say, congratulations. You're repping the Atlanta Braves right now. Uh, This is now their fourth straight NL East title, their second straight trip to the NLCS. And you did make a bold prediction not too long ago, last time you were on this show, that they were going to the World Series, looking pretty good. They're up two games of the NLCS right now. I told you, man, they're scrappy.
1: They're a scrappy bunch. And what Something in the golf world, for those of y'all that don't know, I'm a golf pro, um, Yes. We call it brother in law. Um, typically, it means in a team event, if one player is not playing well for a hole, the other player happens to be playing great. And that's the way the Braves are. It's uh, They'll have some of their stars, not really. I mean, I, Freddie, what, a few games ago went 0 but you have other guys. Freddie step
0: opened up the, the football, NLCS but, striking out in his first seven at bats. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's like, but you yeah, have other guys picking up the slack for him, and the Braves have been like that the whole year. They've just been so scrappy, so that's why. Was I a little cocky when I called that? Yeah,
0: <laughs> but hey, you gotta, you gotta believe it. Well, guess what, Garrett? I have the clip. Uh, I'm gonna play it for you. you. Ready for this? Let's see it. I will say, and maybe this is my bi- It's definitely my
1: bias, and maybe my stubbornness the Braves are going to end up like the money ball Oakland A's. In what way? Slow start, behind early on, pass the all-star break, catch fire. Um, except they're not going to lose early. They're going to make it to the World Series.
0: How about that? Man. Hey, it's looking pretty good so far, man. We'll see.
1: <laughs> I, I still believe it. I still believe it. I think we're still... We're slowly rising. We haven't peaked yet.
0: That clip, of course, was back in was that June? I think that was June. Yeah. That was yeah. like mid-June. US Open was last time we chatted. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, <laughs> man. We and you, you also <laughs> had no, Well, yeah, they were struggling quite a bit. And then at the all-star or after the all-star break, right before the trade deadline, a lot of people were like, Oh, they should sell their whole team. They should just blow it up. It's a rebuilding here. They saw an opportunity, and honestly, I would think, and you know, there are a lot of guys that you could give it to, but what Alex Anthopoulos did this year with the Braves, um, worthy of Executive of the Year, in my opinion, as the mm-hmm. best GM. I mean, he picked up, he remade the entire outfield after they lost Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, and then look at some of these guys, like you talk about, Jock Peterson. He's just a cast off. He's on fire. It's Jocktober right now. Yeah. Eddie Rosario, four for five last night with a game winning hit.
1: Peterson's insane, man. He is. He, <laughs> he's one of those guys where like you either love him or you hate him. And I love <laughs> that guy right now. And he's just so freaking hilarious. I saw his interview that he did. I think it was after game one. Where he had like this obnoxious pearl necklace coming out. Did you see that? <laughs> and it's yeah. like, dude, I cannot like a necklace to match a personality. That's absolutely perfect. Like, <laughs> he's so over the top. He's out there, but the dude is killing it right now.
0: Yeah. You know, it's really funny that you say that. I've got another clip here because you mentioned Jock Peterson. This is Dario Medrano from the challenge talking about jock peterson this was actually i think a week before i last talked with you this is what he had to say about jock peterson sunday night tonight we have the cubs and the cardinals and the cubs are about to sweep the cardinals at home I'm and- good, man
1: someone needs to tell jock peterson no he's not that good <laughs> jock peterson is so arrogant i'm like dude you're not that good you're not that good you're like you know, he's a fly
0: ball guy. He gets under it, fucking wind takes it, and see you later. And I don't know. I, I think he's just he's probably a good guy, but he's way too arrogant. He's way. So Dario's not a fan. <laughs> hey man, I mean,
1: guy's pretty good right now. That's that's all that matters is how good are you when it comes time to be good. And the man is just like. I mean, he's he's caught this wave, and he is riding this thing all the way, hopefully to the end of the season.
0: Well, some would call it arrogance. some would call it confidence. Some might say it's overconfidence. Whatever it is, I want that in October because he's got it. he He rises in these situations. He's not phased by the moment. You know, he did play on the Dodgers for the past six years in the postseason. And so he got a lot of postseason reps and runs, so he's not phased by this moment.
1: Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's my theory that with any team based in L.A., you're going to have a different mindset than a team based in the Deep South. But um, with that being said, I'm also a firm believer is that you cannot, you can't find or manufacture greatness without some sort of arrogance attached to it. It just mm-hmm. has to. I mean, you look... I mean, not to get off subject, but you look at the Michael Jordan documentary and how arrogant that guy was. Right. Well, that's also why he was the best. So say what you want about that guy and his big pearl necklace, but <laughs> I mean, it's working and that's all that matters right now, especially your brace fan.
0: I got nothing bad to say about it. I I, I yeah. enjoy it. It's fun. And I mean if you <laughs> if your play backs it up, then you can talk as much as you want. It's only a problem if you're not playing well. Uh, But Jock's playing well. Braves are looking good. They're up 2-0. We're finishing up our baseball conversation for now. However, you guys want – we'll have a baseball show later this week with uh, former MLB All-Star Mickey Morandini. uh, Played on the Phillies, played on the Cubs and the Blue Jays. I'm not sure if you remember Mickey uh, Garrett. He played a little bit before we – do you remember Mickey when he played? I don't. No, I don't. So he, he played a little bit before, you know, like he play, he was on the 93 Phillies team. So we, he was a little bit before our time. He was at wrapping up around the time you and I would have been first getting into baseball. But um, yeah. he was an all-star, played in the World Series, and we will be uh, covering this week in Major League Baseball and what we got going on with the championship series. I could not be more excited. Garrett, in addition to being a Braves fan, you're also a Mississippi State fan alum and uh you know they they had a big win a couple weeks ago but rough weekend for the bulldogs this
1: past Yeah year. and we uh hey we knew it was coming we we knew as soon as uh we beat a and m and we saw that a and m beat bama uh we started chirping saying well you know by the transfer of property we're better than bama right but <laughs> we knew it was coming you piss off at any alabama football team and then you have to play them the next week. It's it's just not gonna go well, no matter where the game is. And so love my Bulldogs, but we're a very, very young team. And any Nick Saban team, no matter how young they are on paper, plays at least two years older than what they are. Ooh, um, yeah. and so it, we just you know, I'm I'm all for the dogs. We I I wasn't expecting much coming out of that
0: game. <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> All right, so I will run through the scores for the week in college football, and we'll dive right into it. So, leading off, Kentucky Wildcats made a trip to Athens, Georgia. Did not go well. Georgia Bulldogs, number one ranked team in the country. Really the undisputed number one team. Uh, They win that game 30-13. to Kentucky was having a nice season, but, uh, yeah, could not get the win there in Athens. Purdue goes to Iowa City and stops on the number two team in the country, the Iowa Hawkeyes, fall to Purdue 24-7. UCF went to uh, play the number three Cincinnati Bearcats. It did not go well for them. Cincinnati remains unbeaten, and they climb the polls now to number two in the country with a win, 56-21. Oklahoma Sooners led by freshman quarterback Caleb Williams with another impressive victory, this time against my sister's TCU Horn Frogs. 52-31 was the score on that one. Didn't go well, as we mentioned, for Garrett's Mississippi State Bulldogs, and they lost that game 49-9. to Was that a home or a road game, Garrett?
1: That was a home, home game. That was oh, in Starkville.
0: <laughs> you went to that. Oh, gosh.
1: I was going to. I, I chose not to last minute because, again – it's Bama. You kind of know what's going to happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, Let's, let us let me save this for the Egg Bowl. You know, I'll, I'll go down the Egg Bowl.
0: <laughs> Oregon uh, with just just barely escaping defeat. Almost lost two straight games against Cal this time. But they come out on top with a big-time uh, goal line stand. 24-17 over the Cal Golden Bears. Min, uh, Michigan State... Remains unbeaten with a win at Indiana. 2015 was the final on that one. Oklahoma State, another unbeaten team, they win at Texas 32 24. Ole Miss with, man, what a wild game in Knoxville. That was, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, The game was paused for about 20 minutes because. Fans started throwing and rioting, throwing water bottles. Lane Kiffin, the former Tennessee head coach, got hit by a golf ball. So uh, kind of a scary scene to see some of the cheerleaders running away, heads covered. Um, we hate to see that, Garrett, on uh, the football field. Yeah, that was that was uncalled for, man. Um, I get it. The
1: hate for Lane Kiffin after just ditching Tennessee. I think that was, what, 09 when he left? Yeah. That's right, a USC job, and uh, I, I, man, it's I, I get the hate towards him, and also being a state fan, I get the hate towards him. But <laughs> that's not that's not something you like to see, no matter how much you hate a
0: guy. He said a couple of weeks ago, he said, "Get your popcorn ready." Uh, he wasn't. <laughs> this is a new line going to be, "Get your golf balls ready"? Yeah, <laughs> something like that, to man. Town.
1: Something <laughs> like that, man. I actually saw there's footage where he was leaving. And someone threw another object or a golf ball and this man straight up just snags it and puts it in his pocket, just catches it right out of the air. It's like he was expecting it to happen. It was kind of funny to wow. watch, but he, uh, to Lane's credit too, man. And again, this burns coming out of my mouth because I'm a <laughs> state fan, but he handled that pretty well with how, with as far as the interviews that I saw after the game. Um, and Man, it scares me as a State fan, too, because that team, that Ole Miss team, really didn't get rattled that much in that environment. And that scares me for our rivalry game coming up as to, you know, how good this Ole Miss team actually is. I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. So it's – and we'll see.
0: Yeah. Matt Corral, is he the Heisman favorite right now?
1: He's up there, man. He's up there. I hate saying it, but that dude has been balling out. Other than the Bama game, where he played like crap, he has been balling out.
0: Yeah, he's been he's been phenomenal. In fact, I was looking today at a CBS Sports mock draft. Only two quarterbacks they got in the first round this year. They're expecting it to be a weaker uh, quarterback class. Matt Corral, first one off the board in this mock draft at pick eleven who would you guess would be the other quarterback that went off in this mock? I mean, there's a lot of names people are floating out there.
1: Oh, man. Um, shoot. Uh, I don't even know, man. It, it is, you know, preseason, you'd say Rattler would be out yeah. there, but he is,
0: I, mean, I think he's, he's not playing well at all. I think Rattler is going to have to transfer he's, he's, he might not see the field again this year. He might and not, man. Caleb Williams is going to take that job and run with it. And unless he gets hurt or unless he has a bad half at some point, it, I think he's going to be the starting quarterback. Rattler's not going to see the field again. You can't draft a guy. The consensus number one, overall pick and Heisman is sitting on the bench in week seven of the college football season. I mean, he will, if he went pro, he'd get drafted no doubt like he'd probably be later on in the draft maybe like a 4th round pick, 5th round pick someone would take a flyer on him but if you want to if you want to bring up your draft stock he's going to have to transfer and that's what I think is going to happen with him.
1: Yeah, I think I think Bryce uh Bama's QB would be the second pick for me outside of See, He's the not draft eligible guy. this year. I know, I know he's not but like Yeah. Dude, if he was, he would be up there big time. Um he's just playing I mean the guy is he's playing like a season bet, like he doesn't get shaken by anything. He took a few pops the AM game, just hopped right back up and continued to carry on. Um, but I would have, I don't know much about Cincinnati's quarterback. Is he, Desmond Ritter, oh, yeah,
0: he yeah. wasn't the one, but he's on some other mocks. The other guy who that a lot of uh people are throwing out there is Malik Willis from Liberty. But the okay. actual quarterback, the number two guy, is the guy that I've been hyping up on here every single week. Carson Strong from Nevada, uh, which, by the way, we'll continue with these scores here in a second. But Carson Strong, uh, pick 21. And I would not mind if the if the Steelers have a pick there in the middle of the first round, if they're drafting Carson Strong.
1: What, how do you feel about, and I don't know his name, Arkansas's quarterback? I don't know much about him either, but he is a stud, dude.
0: He's good. Um, I I I haven't seen his name as high on those. And to to tell the truth, I haven't watched him as much as I would have liked to. Uh, His name is, let me pull this up real quick. Were you watching the Arkansas game this weekend? Yeah. KJ Jefferson.
1: Yeah, he is. He's a big dude. Um, but man, he made some really impressive. He, he could be a freshman for all I know. I had no idea, but that was the first time I watched him play, and he made some big time throws, man.
0: Sophomore. So, yeah, that's okay. why we haven't seen his name. Yeah, Arkansas is good. Um, Arkansas, of course, that was the next game I had on here. They they lost their third straight game now after losing to uh Georgia and Ole Miss, and now it's Auburn. They lose that game at home 30. 30- 8 23. This is what happens sometimes uh, when a team loses a game and they just get on it, get in a funk. Uh, but I do like that team moving forward with KJ Jefferson. Arizona State loses at Utah 35 21. We'll, we'll definitely talk Arizona State, but that was a game where they looked like they had it in the first half. They were up 21 7. I was going to come on here. I'm watching them like, I'm going to come in here with my take that I think Arizona State's going to win the Pac-12 this year. That Because ha- this is like the day after Oregon struggles against Cal. That yeah. Pac-12 South is so winnable. It's not really that hard. But the winner of this game, it was going to be huge because now on Utah's, unbe- Utah's unbeaten in Pac-12 play. Arizona State's got a loss. They're going to need... Utah to lose two games, and they're going to have to win the rest of their Pac-12 games in order to secure their spot in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, they looked like they just mentally checked out after the first half, like they had won. It was it was pretty ugly. Yeah, yeah
1: man, this year with the Pac-12 and with all the conferences, really, I mean, SEC, you kind of know it's going to be Georgia or Alabama. It's going to be the front runner, but... I don't know if you're, you remember, but again, funny, same year we mentioned earlier, uh, 2009, when uh, USF made their big push and they got all the way up to, it was, seemed like every number two rank lost at some point, And then USF got all the way up there and lost big in the end. I feel like that number two rank has the same curse this year as it <laughs> oh, did that oh, year. Yes. I, I can see Cincinnati losing in a barn burner to some no-name school that shouldn't compete with them. Um, And then, I mean, again, like the Pac-12, who's going to win that? I have no idea. I mean, it's just so scrambled. You thought Oregon's going to be the clear front uh, runner. The Cal steps in, and then Arizona State, and then they get beat, and you're just like, what's going to happen? And it just reminds me of that year, which it's a fun year um, provided you don't put too much of your livelihood into college football because your
0: team might lose <laughs> at any given chance. But it's one of those fun years where you just never know what's going to happen. I absolutely love it. And this is the type of year that would be so great to have like a 2014 playoff. Just put all these teams in there and see what kind of crazy outcomes you get because you would get some crazy outcomes and there are a lot of there are a lot of really good group of five teams that we'll get to in a little bit who have been playing their tails off. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, um, I mean, you just, I have a tinfoil hat prediction on what's going to happen. Okay. And that's going to be Bama and Georgia are going to meet in the SEC championship game. Bama is going to hand Georgia its first loss. Therefore, Bama is going to jump to the number one ranked seed being the SEC championship. Georgia is going to be number four ranked. Or number three rank. Either way, I think they're going to fall to number three rank because I think uh, three and four are both going to be one-loss teams is my prediction. So Georgia's going to bump to number three. Bama's going to be number one. So then Bama and Georgia are going to meet in the national championship game, and Georgia's
0: going to beat Bama and win the natty. That's my prediction. You you love the bold predictions. It's like you're like... It's like you're posing. You're like, "All right, Jack's going to put this on his Instagram account in 3 months <laughs> I'm going to look so smart." <laughs> hey man,
1: I'm one, I'm batting a thousand so far. So, well, they haven't made it to the well, Series yet,
0: but you know. You you also <laughs> said you also said that uh DeChambeau and Kepco were going to play in the Ryder Cup together. Didn't happen, did it? They should have, man. They, they should have. But we're going to get the we're going to get the match uh part yeah. 4. Those two guys that's like, that's right around Thanksgiving. That's going to be, oh my gosh, I cannot wait. That's going to be so great. Yeah, I think,
1: again, tinfoil hat theory is, I think, they're playing everybody, man. That's what I think. I think, <laughs> I think they're buds, and I think this new $40 million PJ Tour bonus based off of social media likeness, and they're just playing that card big time, and I think this is part of it, um, but again, tinfoil hat theory here, but... <laughs> That's what
0: I think. I think it started contentious, and now they're they're like, "All right, we're gonna play this up. It's gonna be our meal ticket here." But yeah, let's let me I, get back on track with the rest of these games here. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So then BYU went to Baylor. Baylor handed BYU at second straight loss. Thirty-eight twenty-four was the final on that game. Florida with another their third loss of the season. LSU uh, with a big win at home, 49-42. But Coach Ed Orgeron is out at the end of the season. They've agreed to a settlement. He will be no longer the coach of the team beyond this year. It remains unclear who will be the coach. This comes after a little bit a combination of off-the-field behavior and um, some inner friction between him and the university. And then, of course, some declining play for the Bayou Bengals. The Texas A&M Aggies with another win, 35-14 at Mizzou. NC State, a number 22 team in the country right now, they they win their game at Boston College, 33-7. San Diego State with a double overtime thriller win over the uh, reigning Mountain West champ San Jose State um, Spartans. And then We've got in terms of like the non some unranked teams, some interesting stuff. Air Force with a, a, a big win over Boise State 24-17. Air Force with their first six and one start to a season since 2002. Hawaii falls at Nevada, led by Carson Strong. Once again, Nevada, uh five and one, I believe, 34-17 on that game. Uh Appalachian State was a team that a week ago, two weeks ago, was getting votes. Uh, they beat Miami earlier this season. Louisiana, Louisiana Raging Cajuns beat them big, 41-13. Uh, UTSA, UT San Antonio, team that I've been, uh, they they just climbed into the top 25 with their win. I really like their team. 45-0 over Rice. Pittsburgh, uh, they move into the top 25 with a win at virginia tech 28 7 and then finally my northwestern wildcats picked up their first big 10 victory of the season handing rutgers a loss 21 7 that's your college football scores and news for the week garrett nice big games
1: man it's um how do you feel about northwestern overall
0: you uh is it is a similar Mississippi year.
1: State. Okay, yeah, similar to Mississippi yeah. State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I get it. I loved them last year. Last year was fun. And two, uh, three years ago, they've been in two of the last three Big Ten championships. But that's not going to be happening this year, Garrett. Uh, but I was glad they got a, a Big Ten victory because I don't know. I, after that, you know, ru- no, it was Nebraska. They just got thrashed by Nebraska two or three weeks ago. I was like... Yeah, I'm I'm not watching this team. But I'll watch them this next week when they play Michigan because that's a big game. Yeah, I know,
1: uh speaking of Nebraska, man, Scott Frost, that guy's on the hot seat big time. It's um he seemed like one of those coaches that was like the perfect man for the job at Nebraska. And coming off uh everything he did at Central Florida, <laughs> their national championship at Central Florida. <laughs> um are oh, you <laughs> night fans out there get out of here um (laughs) but it's similar to northwestern uh i forgot y'all's coach's name but i know he used to play there loves us yeah loves the school full of energy um i thought it would be a perfect fit like that but and i just i'm kind of surprised he hasn't really turned it around yet but i also don't know he's been there i think this is his third year fourth year maybe scott frost and um
0: this is a, uh, like year four, I want to say, and last yeah, year was a cold year. I would give Scott Frost a little more time. I know a lot okay. of people are jumpy, but yeah, he's a Nebraska hero. So just for that fact, like he should get a long leash, I believe. But it's it's honestly sad to see Nebraska and what they've turned into, and Tennessee and some of these other schools. And I think it goes to show, like there are going to be some dark dark years for some of these programs that are at the top right now. It comes in cycles. Yeah. It does. It's hard to
1: believe that the
0: is going to end up there at some point, too. I mean,
1: it might not be within this, you know, this next decade, but at some point it's going to happen. You know, we saw that in the Mike Shuler years in the uh, 2000s. So, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's hard to believe for me that Harbaugh has gotten as many chances as he's gotten at Michigan. Um, now I, I'm a Harbaugh fan. I actually really like him, but dude, they have just not played well at all the last few years, and he hasn't really produced much out there. But um, man, it's hard to believe they've because this is year seven for him. Maybe,
0: yeah, this is year seven. It's gone by quick. I would say that most Michigan fans, at least the Michigan fans I talk to, they're like, it was an upgrade over uh, Brady Hoke. And oh, so yeah, he did no put doubt. the program in the right direction. They're competitive every single year. And my thought on it has been: Look, Ohio State's not going to have a stranglehold on the Big Ten forever. Could this could be the start of that right now? And I actually, I should, um, I'll I'll put my rankings now at the bottom of the screen. I got Jacks. Uh, oh, we've had some, <laughs> we've had some comments. Of course, they're only in Spanish here. So uh, we got Ola from Juan Carlos. Hola, Carlos. Glad you're tuning in. Um, but no, I actually I don't know. I feel like this is Michigan's year. We've been talking about it, and um I'll run I can run through my uh, rankings at some point, but I actually would have Michigan at number four right now in the country. They're undefeated.
1: And they're playing well too. It's um I mean I haven't I'm not familiar with their schedule coming up, but
0: they, uh, they got a lot of big f- games. They got uh, I th- they still have uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, um, and they got a nice little appetizer with Northwestern this next week.
1: Yeah, well, man, looking at your rankings too, and just something kind of off subject going back to the SEC. I mean all, Auburn is a dangerous number twenty two. They are the past two weeks of the wins they pulled out and just grinded through. Man, they that 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 could be one of those dark horse teams. And uh again, you gotta think the iron bowl, like what could happen there if Auburn keeps grinding out these wins that they're doing and they face granite, a mature but still a young quarterback in Bryce Young, who knows, right? Um, I mean I could shake everything up and then like you said, with Michigan's schedule, you just have we have no idea what's going to happen there.
0: So you think? Do you think that? Are you saying that Auburn could get in? I mean, they're a two-loss team and they lost to Penn State.
1: No, I think Auburn is one of those. Spoiler. I'm saying Auburn, exactly. Yeah, one of those yeah. dark horse teams where, like, they might get overlooked on the schedule if you're not really aware of what all they've been through this season and what kind of wins they've had. Um, I mean, man, Bo Nix has played incredible when he's needed to. But it's just, I mean, they could wreck Bama's season, you know? They could wreck Bama's season. Um, You just never know with it, man. But, again, it's just one of those, it goes back to where it's one of those years where you just don't know what's going to, it's not a clear Bama's winning at all, right? You just don't know what's going to happen.
0: Well, you know what's funny is you mentioned the curse of number two. Purdue tweeted earlier we we beat the number 2 out of Iowa. They tweeted that over the weekend. Yeah. Big win for Purdue and big win. I mean, I actually so I dropped in my rankings. I did those on Saturday night. And the AP, if anyone was listening, they're like, "Oh, we like that Jack moved Iowa from 2 to 11." Uh, that's what the Associated Press ended up doing in their poll. Uh so they they copied off of me, I like to think. But I mean, it was kind of, you know what? I think here's the thing. A lot of people are going to say like, yeah, we knew Iowa wasn't actually a second best team in the country. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I think that's true. But I also think we have to kind of lower our expectations of what we'd expect out of a top four team this year compared to what we've expected from them in the past. Like this is the type of season where, yeah, I think Georgia and Alabama are the two best teams. I think they will play each other in the national championship, as you said. I'm not going to give a pick right now as to who I think is going to win that. I think those two teams, even though Bama lost, those two teams look like they are better than everybody else. Some might say Georgia's the only team like that. Um, but all these other teams have some kind of flaws. And that's why I really hope Cincinnati gets in. If they go undefeated this year they should be in like, this should be their opportunity in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So now I'm going to raise you one here and say, if it comes down to it and the fourth spot needs to be decided, it seems like we, everyone has this discussion slash argument every year. If we have an undefeated coastal Carolina, but a, let's say, let's go ahead and say a two loss Bama, right? And let's say that Bama's second loss was in the SEC championship game. Who's going to get in? I think the natural inkling is to throw Bama in there because you. I, I find that people tend to have biases towards reputation of teams in history. Um, when, to your credit about Cincinnati, I mean, if this, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but if Coastal goes undefeated, they need to be in too. Right. And I think it's that's why you mentioned a 2014 playoff and how good it would be. You know, that's why I think we need a bigger playoff than just four. Um, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this as well. But, yeah, I just I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in that circumstance.
0: So I did a piece last year. And I was banging the drum pretty loud last year. I was like, we need to expand the playoff. And I was curious. I did. I ran a piece. I'm like, this is what, if we had an 18 playoff this year, this is what it would look like. This is what a 12 would look like. This is what 16, 20, 24, 32. Um, I don't know if I did 20. It was a lot. Now I I did my rankings and I put them in. And I think the best version of this is you have 10 conferences right now. Division one, FBS football, if you win your conference championship, you should be in. I I think it's ridiculous that some team can lose in the court of public opinion and not get to play out there on the field. Because that's, I mean, coastal, the thing is that I don't know if I could put coastal in this year. It's like, I got them in my rankings. I got them around 12, 13. It's going to be tough for them because the Louisiana, I think they play Louisiana this week. So that's, that would be a very quality win if they win that game, I could put them into the top ten potentially. Aside from that, there aren't too many opponents, and I think they still have to play App State as well. Um, but they, they don't have too many games. And this is a curse. I mean, I went to Valpo, and when you are a really good mid-major, big teams do not want to play you. And I had someone on Twitter saying this to me, like, Why do you have Cincinnati number two? I'm like, oh, Cincinnati in addition to everything that they've done this year, they went undefeated last year and they hung with Georgia in whatever bowl. Game. I think it was sugar bowl. Maybe it was a big game. Yeah. They were, And now you look at Georgia, Georgia's the number one team in the country. Like they very well could have won that game. Cincinnati is legit. Unfortunately for coastal, they don't get an opportunity to really prove their worth. But the problem is if you are a blue blood program, why would you play coastal because all you have to gain from it is a loss there's no reason yeah. nothing to gain from it cuz if you win the committee's going to look at it or you know people are oh they beat that oh that just shows that coastal's not really good they're they're just a, like the story revolves around the mid major in that case and if you are a, a blue blood program you don't get any credit for beating the mid major and we need to fix that
1: yeah and i also think that Um, Coastal's in a heck of a a position right now, too, in a bad way because they actually do not control their own destiny. I mean, what controls their destiny? Well, the Big Ten's going to have to eat itself alive. yeah, And the SEC's going to have to chew itself up. And maybe they'll have a chance if they win out. But it's kind of like... What you said—it's almost more of a byproduct of other teams losing than Coastal actually going undefeated. Um, but plus, what we got four Big Ten teams in the top ten. What like Penn State, Michigan, uh, Ohio State. Well, I guess Michigan State's not technically in the top ten, but they're close. But like, oh no, they're in all, the top ten. Oh, they are. Okay, yeah. So oh. all these schools—at least there. they
0: are in my rankings.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> those are the ones that matter so yeah <laughs> uh, all these schools just have to eat themselves alive and to your credit that's what these blue blood schools or blue collar schools have to rely on other teams and other leagues just destroying themselves which i don't i'm not sure how you get around it i'm not sure what way you go to get around that um but you know it's uh arguably one of the problems with this system.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of problems with it. I'll give my rankings right now to listeners because we've referenced it a couple times and some people are listening and not watching. Um, So I'll run through these and you can correct me wherever you want to correct me. But my top 10, number one, I got Georgia, Cincinnati, two, Oklahoma, three, Michigan, four, which is not how the AP has it. They have Alabama, four, and Ohio State, I think, is five. So I have Michigan four, Alabama five, Penn State six, Ohio State seven, Oklahoma State eight. They're an unbeaten Big Twelve team, so they have a chance to move up as well. Michigan State, unbeaten, unbeaten uh, Big Ten team. There's, they're nine. Oregon ten. I dropped Oregon after that Cal game. I really, my confidence in Oregon going back a few weeks ago. I was, you know, I called them beating. Ohio State in the preseason they were one of my top 4 in the preseason but i i know and i know they've had a lot of injuries CJ Verdell uh, he got hurt and the running back I'm blanking on his name who stepped in he looked good this past week but i'm just watching Cal and i'm like you're playing Cal at home after a bye week and you lost the game before the bye week i thought and i know they were playing without Thibodeau for the first half I thought Oregon was going to come out looking angry the way Bama did. Instead, they squeaked mm-hmm. by, I lost a lot of confidence in Oregon. That's my top 10.
1: Man, well, also, I wanted to um, – I actually do – I agree with your top 10. I like <laughs> – maybe it's because I like where you put Bama. <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> it. But – um <laughs> That's probably it. <laughs> um, but the way to intermediately solve this problem, I think, is to have a seven-team playoff. Because seven. in my
0: interesting, in How my
1: opinion, work? in my opinion, there is no reward for finishing the season as a number one ranked team, other than hey, now you got to grind it out against another great team at number four. So I think seven teams. You give the number one ranked team a first-round bye and then I wrote this down, and then you have number two play number seven, number three play number six, number four play number five, and then the winner of that game play each other, and the winner of two and seven play number one. And it kind of throws the second-ranked team. You can can reorder the numbers any way you wanted to. I don't know if I would have two versus seven, and then the winner play number one right off the bat. But I think it's good because –
0: it, gives well, them, it sure. would sure. Then uh two seven would probably take on the winner of uh yeah, three six. two seven take on the winner of three and six and
1: four four five four would five. take on number one, whoever won that. Yeah. And so I think that way, you know, it gives the number one team a reward for finishing number one, because I think, you know, during the BCS era, obviously that was very, very lit high upon. And I think it was that was more of a goal wasn't just to get to national championship game, but to be number one. And I think with this four team playoff system, it's just, Oh, let's just be top four, you know, number one's cool, but there's no, there's no difference in being number one. And number four, you're still in for the most part. That's the way I interpret it. So I think by giving the number one team, a first round buy as a reward for being the number one team, I think gives, gives teams something to shoot for, besides just making it to the playoffs. And then, of course, you get seven teams in instead of the typical four. So then you look at a team like Coastal, who could be ranked number seven in the year, could find their way in, right? And so I think it just creates this cool dynamic. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of logistics. I would add another week of football to the year. How you would fit that in, I'm not sure. But that's what I think is a good step in the right direction with this.
0: That's really interesting. I had never thought of it in that particular way. Um, The way that I I guess my personal favorite, I think that's really interesting. Mine would be the 24 teams. And the reason why 24 is because FCS, that's what they do. It works really well. So don't tell me it can't be done because it can be done. And then the other thing that uh, I took percentages into account. So for instance, uh in division one college basketball tournament you have uh, they're more you know there there aren't two subdivisions of division one in in any other sport aside from football unless unless there's something with diving or bowling or something i don't know about uh but to my knowledge football kind of stands on its own in college basketball you have 360 teams 68 teams make the tournament that's 18.9% of the field of how many teams there are. So if you had 24 for 130 FBS teams, that would be 18.4%. So it would essentially be the same percentage that you would have for the best playoff system known to man. You bring it over to college football and then you can get every single conference champ in there, your top independent school, and then you'd have like 13... Uh, at-large bids that you can hand out. Now, maybe that's too many, um, and that devalues some of the regular season, but I think that some version of like a 12 to 24 where you get... Uh, I think if you win your conference, you should be in. Your season doesn't end then.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's why also I, I thought seven because you get the power five every conference champion, and then you get the schools who... You know, like Bama and Georgia have been the past few years. That you know, have a great season but don't win their first losses during the conference championship game. Then it gives you a little bit of room to sprinkle schools like that in, and schools like Coastal. Now, I'd rather do more than seven. I think logistically, what you're saying is the way to go. But I can I can foresee that happening a decade down the road. Yeah, I think not, the way it's going. Yeah. I, I th- yeah, I think the way it's going to be is that slowly increasing numbers because, again, what are the most fun, some of the most fun sports to watch? Well, yeah, March Madness, and a lot of people don't know FCS football. is kind of like watching really, really good high school football as far as the atmosphere that you have there, the playoff system that they have there. And logistically, it can be done. It's just about how do we get there with – Division one FES. And, you know, I think what's stopping them from doing that is, frankly, again, tinfoil hat theory here. Sponsorship dollars are allocated for a certain amount of games. And I think these companies that have allocated those dollars to college football have different avenues of sponsorships to allocate finances towards. And that's why they don't want to expand the season to include more games because maybe they don't have the dollars to do that. Or as far as TV contracts, so you start going into basketball season. And I think that's the reason they don't do that. Um, but again, tenfold, that's like my fourth tinfoil hat theory tonight.
0: So, <laughs> No, you bring up a lot of good points. I'm curious, uh, who were you watching, keeping an eye on this past weekend? Uh, what what stuck out to you over this past weekend in college football?
1: Um, Auburn, Arkansas. Because Arkansas, again, has proven to be a pretty good team. And Auburn, man, they uh, – freaking Bo, Bo Nix is a very – He's very, very hit or miss until – I was born and raised an Auburn fan too. Disclaimer. Um, full-time oh, Mississippi State fan, but – My family is a big Auburn family, and so I do root for Auburn. But um, you just haven't – it's one of those teams, you're not sure what direction they're going to go in. But, again, past two weeks when their backs have been up against the wall, they performed so good. Um, I watched more of the state – excuse me, I watched more of the Auburn game than I watched the state game just (laughs)
0: because
1: we kind of knew what was going to – different times of day, but we kind of knew what was going to go down there. Yeah. Um right. I was also watching to see the A&M Missouri game because at such a big emotionally draining win like that, it's very easy to relax the next week when you see you have Missouri on the schedule. And as you know, over the years, that's when some of these these cupcake games are trap games for teams like that. And so I watched that game too, but they I mean, they they won pretty easily.
0: Yeah, no, uh and is is really weird because they look like they're returning to form of where they were last year. They finished up as like the number five or number six team in the country in the final polls. But they opened up this season and they lost two early games and they almost lost to the Colorado freaking Buffaloes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But they they're kinda they look like they flipped into another gear. I'm curious. Uh they're gonna play Georgia, I think, later on. They're in the same division, right? They're in the you would know SEC a little better. Uh SEC East, yeah. Yeah. So they so that'll be they,
1: that'll be a yeah. good one to
0: circle. Do you know do you know where the game is?
1: That's the big factor with A and M.
0: Yeah, let me pull that one up because you got the whole twelfth man atmosphere uh at college station all uh let's see Texas A&M they've got coming up on their schedule um oh no they don't play Georgia this year
1: yeah so i think missouri is in the east i don't know, i'm not sure if a&m is in the East or a&m
0: not. wouldn't yeah I, I don't know why because, i thought that because they
1: <laughs> they're, well, they're the way clearly the SEC, west yeah, but the way the SEC is, though, I mean, it would make yeah, sense that Missouri would also be in the West too. But yeah, that's right. So it's it's just jacked up. But yeah, I
0: think they're in the West. But um, they I play wonder, Auburn. Uh, they play versus yeah. Auburn and at at Ole Miss are their big games uh, in November. Ooh, Ooh man, <laughs> that's gonna be tough, dude. Jeez. Garrett, I feel like right now we have like a people like to talk Power Five. Like we have a power three in college football. Like it's SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, and then these other schools that claim to be uh, power five are false prophets right now. They're blasphemous.
1: Yeah, American Conference.
0: Uh, Man, I'm I'm talking like Pac-12, ACC. Like, yes, I would take those over the American and the Sun Belt and the Mountain West, but. I think they might be a little closer to those conferences than they are to the other three that we just mentioned.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, well, hey, you you've got Clemson that's been so great all this time. And then this year, they're not ranked anymore. And you look at the teams they're playing, and you're just like, I, two years ago, you were the hottest school in the nation. And now it's like, what, what the heck is going on with you? And... And that's the thing, it's not like Clemson's in the SEC and they're just getting beat by other good SEC teams. They're they're not in a strong league. Um, and the Pac-12 is so spotty, man. It's like one year they're very strong, the next year they're just cupcake teams almost. Like Oregon, you thought this year would be the year for Oregon,
0: Yeah, right? And they just, did. nothing. It's crazy. So, in terms of non-power five, a group of five, have you? Is there anyone that's been on your radar that's impressed you this year? Um, Aside from Cincinnati and Coastal, of course. Yeah, so I've actually been paying attention
1: to UAB, and because I actually teach one of their coaches. Um, <laughs> what's up, Joe? If you're watching, um, and so they the UAB just opened a new football stadium downtown. You know, we gone to. Three four years ago, UAB canceled their football program, and you know now they're reinstated. Now they have all this, all these funds coming in, and now they have a brand new stadium. Their old stadium, um, for perspective, was not in a great part of town, and it was the same stadium my dad played in when he played for Auburn. Whenever Auburn played in Birmingham. And it was, uh, just not a good stadium. It was hard for UAB to get recruits or losing recruits at Jacksonville state, smaller school that has, you know, better facilities, but, um, they've been playing pretty well this year up until I saw where they played Georgia and just got beat like a drum. And this is before we knew Georgia was as good as Georgia is, but, uh, they're having a decent year for the most part, which is nice to see. Um, that's really the only other school I've been paying attention to, just because I wanted to see how they do after all this new hype about their new stadium and everything.
0: What's their record at? How are they doing? Oh, let me see here. I actually don't know. <laughs> well, as you pull it up, the teams that people – so UTSA, UT San Antonio, they climb into the top 25. They're 7-0. and uh, Oh, gee, you still here? Did I lose you? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Sorry, okay. I'm here. You're good. playing my phone okay. real fast. No, <laughs> you're good. Uh UT San Antonio 7 and 0. I think they're a really good team. They beat I mean they beat Illinois earlier. Illinois is not any good, but they are a good team. Louisiana as I mentioned, the Raging Cajuns. And I actually got it wrong. Coastal plays App State this week. It's not Louisiana. Um Air Force again. I mentioned 6 and 1. And then Nevada, 5-1, and one, both those teams out of Mountain West. And San Diego State, 6-0. and oh. um, So Mountain West is actually pretty competitive. There are some really good teams in that conference. And I think all those teams that we mentioned have the potential. They're probably not – none of these teams are going to play teams that are playing uh, in the college football playoff, like teams in that realm that they could potentially play spoiler um, – just, I, I highly doubt any of them have like a, are playing like a top 10 team down the stretch here because now you're playing your conference schedule mostly. There are always exceptions to that. But I think all those teams would be dangerous if they were playing someone like that. And uh, potentially you could get some really good bowl games out of all those teams as well. Could climb into the top 25. Yeah.
1: Um, sorry, I'm trying to get this. I don't know if you can see me or not right now, but,
0: um, uh... Oh, Hey, wait, you cut out for a second. I can't hear you. Can't hear you. I see. you. I can't hear you. Oh, you're muted. Now you're unmuted. No, can't hear you. All right. So Garrett's going to figure this out for a second. You want to try again now? No, can't hear you. You could try. Why don't you try exiting? Wait, say something. No, no, I don't have you. Okay. Try exiting the stream and then come back in. Click the link again. Cause we, this happened one time. And um, so it, Garrett's going to get this figured out. Um, you guys can, I'll read you the rest of my college football top 25. So, the top 10, as I mentioned, Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Michigan, Alabama, Penn State, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Michigan State, Oregon. And then I got at 11, Iowa, 11, Ole Miss, 12, Coastal, 13, Baylor, 14, Kentucky, 15, Texas AM, 16, Notre Dame, 17, Wake Forest, 18, SMU, 19, San Diego State, 20, Auburn, 21. We got you.
1: Yeah. Can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, now I can. Oh, good. All right, cool. Sorry, man. You're good. I was just reading the rest of my top 25. 21 Auburn, 22 BYU, 23 Utah with the big win over Arizona State, 24 UT San Antonio, 25 NC State. Uh, Anything else from college football? Did I interrupt your train of thought? Were you saying something?
1: No, UAB is 5 and 2. I thought they were 4 oh. and 2, so it was going to sound stupid, so that's why I <laughs> looked it up. 5 and 2. So, go Blazers.
0: But yeah, right. it's um
1: it's uh you, you kind of feel obviously you all some of you all might be from Birmingham, but the difference in you know just a few years ago versus this year. I mean, they had a packed house their first game and I feel like the stadium's making all the difference for this team. And they just have so much backing from the community, and the community just wants them to do so great and everything. Um, but man, it's it's if you're ever in Birmingham and it's football season, definitely go to UAB home game. It's awesome.
0: I think there are a lot of places that'd be awesome to go watch football in the South. I, yeah, yeah. I haven't. Ex- I went to Arizona State game a couple weeks ago, and I mean that's Arizona State. It's not even like we're not talking about at one of these sec schools, but my, my limited experience in terms of college football is just Northwestern games. And I go to Arizona state and I'm like, Oh, this is so fun. And I mean, I, I did go to a couple of Valpo games, but I mean, we, we won't talk about Valpo football. <laughs> <not here today>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you could, I mean, trying to think of it, essentially any sec. I don't have any experience in Missouri, Uh, any sec school besides maybe vandy it's a it's a pretty (laughs) good experience
0: (laughs) yeah i'm thinking i probably won't make it down this fall but i think we should go to a a baseball game in starkville in the spring oh yeah that's that needs to be on everyone's bucket list yeah i want to do it i want to see you in person so let's uh let's put a date on the calendar and do that in the spring i think that'd be pretty fun
1: yeah, dude, let's do it, man. We'll show you a good time. It's awesome yeah. over there.
0: Yeah, I like I like the South. I need to explore it more. Okay, so I think we touched on pretty much everything college football-wise. So let's move over to the pro game. And Garrett, you're a Bucs fan. How'd you end up a Bucs fan?
1: So when I was a little kid, I wanted to grow up to be a Pirate. And so <laughs> naturally I picked the only team that had the mascot as a Pirate. And so it was, uh, yeah, that's, there's, I'm not from Tampa or anything. I've got a couple of cousins that live down there, but that's it. But it was, uh, obviously we, we way more focused on college down here. Um, and so NFL has always been there, always watched it. It's always been great, but I'd be a liar. If I said I wasn't more intrigued after the Buccaneers got Brady. I mean, for sure. It's just, it's, you know, it's, the guy is so freaking good, and it's awesome to watch.
0: Hey, by the way, we got a message here, a uh, comment about 15 minutes ago from Bill Solis. Can you see what that comment says? Garrett has a fierce <laughs> stash. Thank, Thank, you, Thank you, Bill. You, Bill. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, a good, on it. that's a great story, though, um, about how he became a fan of a team. And then, of course... The Bucks they played their Thursday night, and this leads us into. I really feel like I need to get some like um, NFL music playing in the background when I give these scores, like boom, <laughs> yeah. like NFL films. But I, yeah. I don't have those rights. <laughs> Tampa Bay Bucks uh, with a win in Philly, 28-22, the final on that game. Jacksonville Jaguars and head coach Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence. They pick up their first wins in the NFL with a trip across the pond over in London. They beat Miami Dolphins 23-20. Dolphins have now lost five straight Cincinnati Bengals on top of the Detroit Lions. Lions really looking like they're probably going to be the number one pick. They're going to have the number one pick in the next draft, most likely would be my guess. Uh, Bengals on top of the Lions at Ford Field 34-11. Green Bay Packers uh, get past the Chicago Bears 24-14. Some honestly, some weird, questionable calls in that game. I didn't watch it too closely, but the first half, uh, there was some there was a play where Aaron or uh, Justin Rogers sensed that a guy jumped off sides, and he clearly did. They did not throw the flag. But Fields assumed he had a free play, threw up a a ball into the end zone, and it was picked. You know, it's been bad officiating every single week. I feel like we're talking about that, Garrett. Have you been – we'll pause here on the scores. Am I wrong to think that NFL officiating has just been absolute garbage this year? Yeah, well, it's – you remember
1: the year that everyone uh, went on strike? Yeah. I think they used high school referees because – all the college referees were uh, tied down by their contracts. So it's, uh, uh, yes, to answer your question, but I keep thinking back to those days (laughs) and it's, uh, God, it's still not as bad as that.
0: (laughs) That's true. The replacement refs, the fail Mary, that uh, game with Seattle and Green Bay on Monday Night Football. That was, oh my goodness, what a joke. I mean, that was like, That was almost 10 years ago. That was 2012. That was the year I graduated high school. The years are flying by, man, as you mentioned. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy, dude. Golly. Houston Texans uh, fall to 1-5. They get stomped on in Indianapolis, 31-3. Kansas City Chiefs get back on track with a win over the Washington football team, 31-13. Baltimore Ravens with a commanding... 34-6 34 to 6 victory over the LA Chargers the Rams uh what's what's new what else is new New York Giants are one in five the Rams uh crushed them 38 to 11 and then another one what else is new Minnesota Vikings playing another another close game they win in overtime over the Carolina Panthers 34 28 Arizona Cardinals with a you know There were some big statement victories. This may have been the biggest. Arizona Cardinals go out to Cleveland. They win that game 37-14 in the battle of Oklahoma quarterbacks. And the quarterback on the other side for Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, he left the game with a shoulder injury. The Browns now are a little bit decimated in terms of injuries. Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt is out for a month. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham Jr. are all questionable for this next week. And Jarvis Landry lands on, he's been on IR. So uh, some serious concerns with the Browns. They're at, they fall to three and three. Dallas Cowboys uh, win in OT over the New England Patriots. Cowboys improved to five and one. And the Patriots now two and four. 35-29 was the final on that one. Las Vegas Raiders. Led by head coach interim head coach Rich Biasia Biascia Bissaccia, that's my that's what I believe the Italian pronunciation of that would be uh, Rich Bisaccia, I think but there's probably an Americanized version that people are going to tell me that I'm saying it wrong nevertheless they win that game uh, first game post John Gruden 34 24 was the final on that one over the Denver Broncos. And my Steelers, they squeak by in overtime last night against the Seattle. <laughs> Seattle Seahawks without Russell Wilson, without Chris Carson. Steelers are just barely winning this game, 23-20. Uh, but T.J. Watt really won that game for them with a couple of big sacks and a forced fumble uh, late in that game. Steelers walk it off. And then, of course, The Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans play tonight on Monday Night Football. And that is your week in NFL action. Where should we start, Garrett? Man, um, I
1: thought it was funny seeing Geno Smith start a game. (laughs) First time since 2017, I think is what they said.
0: Yeah, it had been over four
1: years. Yeah, I feel like... what Who... I think he was maybe on the jets when he got punched in the face and like broke his jaw. (laughs) Yeah. And ever since then he hasn't like played at all. But man, I think (laughs) I forgot about the guy until I saw that Russell Wilson was out and Geno Smith was starting. And it's like, Whoa, damn. It's one of those things where you're like, whatever happened to that guy? And then he just pops up out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. That's, it's funny. You say that because Russell Wilson has been in the league longer than Geno Smith. Um, Or sorry. I was going to say it's the other way around. Like Geno Smith, though, he came out a year after Russell Wilson. And it feels like, I don't know, it doesn't feel like they'd be that close in age. Like I still think of Geno as like a young kid. And Mm -hmm. he got in there last week when Russ got hurt and he looked pretty good. Um, But, you know, we can't expect too much from him. And then the other thing in that game is there was a player, uh, last name Taylor. I can't remember his first name. Uh, he got carted out and it was a very scary scene. Uh, they're praying for him on the field. Uh, but yeah, I'm just watching that. I'm thinking as a Steelers fan, I'm like, we're at home and we can barely beat these guys. Like this should yeah. not be this close.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think big Ben's going to hang it up after this year?
0: I don't know. Like, like, You know, Ben gives me a bit of a vibe like Eli Manning, where I feel like he might overstay his welcome, where the team might just be like, you know what, you're not going to start anymore. We're going to draft someone. And I can see Ben being like, "Ah, but but I want to stay here. I I think I still can start. And I, I, I do think that this is going to be the final year as with Ben, at least as a plan, like he's the starter, you know, maybe he, maybe he sticks around as the backup. Maybe he hangs it up. It's sad to watch because I feel like he's aged like dramatically since like the middle of last season. Cause the first half of last season, I'm like, oh my gosh, Ben's back. This is great. He's got a little bit of Brady in him. He could keep doing this. And then, you know, I just watch and it's like, he isn't what he used to be. And he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. He's a, he was a, he had a great career. Won two Super Bowls. I don't think the Steelers are gonna win one this year. Um, I I think they will. My you know, I, like I mentioned earlier, I do think that uh, what's his name uh, Carson Strong would be a great pick in the draft. I, Steelers are gonna have to draft a quarterback soon enough. It's been over seventeen years since they last did that. Yeah,
1: I, I was. My first thought was they should have already drafted one, I think. Um, they did. Just kind of,
0: they drafted a couple. It? They drafted uh, Mason Rudolph a couple years ago. It was like a third-round guy. It wasn't a first-round guy.
1: Yeah, so I think that – I don't know, man. I think they should have drafted someone stronger, um, yeah. like a bigger name, and just have him sit under Ben, kind of like Aaron Rodgers. It was exactly what the Packers did. You know, Brett Favre wasn't done yet, but he was still a very good player. Aaron Rodgers was a very well-known, very great college player. And they basically drafted him and said, listen, we're going to draft you. You're not going to play for probably three years minimum, right? But we have this guy here who's a future Hall of Famer, who's a baller. and We want you to learn under him. And look at Rodgers now. I, You know, I... Obviously, you credit Rodgers' game to himself, but I would argue that he would not be the player that he is now if he didn't have those years behind Favre. And I think, you know, a wild thing to do is to go – for the Steelers to go to a team like Miami and say, hey, you know, your star guy, Tua, you know, it's not really working out so far. What do you need? We'll throw you some picks. We'll throw you a few guys. Let us get Tua – I'd say you play Ben for one more year, have Tua be his backup and learn from Ben. And then that way you have someone going forward. It doesn't have to be Tua, but someone like that. Someone right. who has played in a successful college system, had a good college career, who was drafted high, who has felt all the pressure that the NFL can give you.
0: Um, well, they also be- scooped up Dwayne Haskins as another guy like that. True. Um, but yeah, it's but, man, Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> it's, yeah. I was about to say, it's... <laughs>
1: Yeah, kind of the same, kind of not. Man, I I, I was trying to think of while you were talking who they could go after. Well,
0: Um, you know, uh, one of my friends, Eric Underwood, uh, I don't know if he's listening, probably isn't, but he said, he texted me earlier, he's like the Packers could trade Jordan Love to the Steelers. And I was like, that makes sense. I'm like, what kind of package are we talking about? He's like a second and a third round pick. And I'm like, you know if the Steelers give up a second round pick and maybe a sixth round pick, maybe a third round pick and a fifth round pick, like I'd be on board with that kind of package, but I would not give up a second and a third round pick for a quarterback who has never played before and only has three years of control after this year. Like I want, if I'm going to get a new quarterback, I'd rather draft the guy pick them out myself and then have five years of that contract. But I think the Tua idea is interesting. I feel like if you're getting someone like Tua or Jordan love, it should be cheaper than what you're spending on a first round pick.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. I also think Miami had this perception of what Tua is going to do for them, And my opinion is, isn't that Tua is not the quality of player that they thought he was. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's going to do great things. I just think he's a guy that needs to sit for a little bit before he does those great things. And I think that's the problem you see with Miami. That's the problem you see with the Giants. That's the problem you see with the Jets is that they they wreck QB careers because they just throw them into the fire and say, hey, just figure it out. And the better programs you see, I mean, I mean, I think the best example is Belichick and the, the Patriots of drafting Brady, having him sit for a little bit behind uh, Bledsoe, and then look what happens. You get the arguably the best quarterback in history, right? Um,
0: he is the best, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he is too. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It, I, it seems to me that the Steelers just don't have a backup plan right now. Um, their backup plan is Mason Rudolph, which no disrespect to Mason. Sure. You're a nice dude, but you're not going to fill those shoes that Ben has had there forever. Um, you're, you're great backup when you
0: need, when you're needed, but I don't know if you're the guy, you know? Well, he, um, I mean, he got benched in favor of your boy, duck Hodges a couple of years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was happy to see duck go out there, man. How do you I know, like duck? duck. So I know Duck because Duck went to Sanford University, which is across the street from Homewood High School, where I went to high school. Um, and uh, taught Duck a couple of golf lessons. Actually played <laughs> golf with Duck. Uh, he's up in the CFL right now, doing his thing. So happy he got picked up by someone after he got let go by the Rams. But um, you know he'll be back, man. That guy's a scrappy dude. He'll he'll find a spot on a roster here at some point. Um, I he he's definitely he. Rem- he reminds me of Chase Daniel, and I think he's going to be—he's going to be that reliability guy long term. Is what I think. Um, which you know, Chase killed at Mizzou and hasn't had much starting time in the NFL. But Chase is a very rich man with uh, a guy. He's probably going to always have a job as long as he's playing, you know. But. Yeah, I just don't know. I'm not sure what the Steelers are going to do. I don't know what their direction is because you look this year, like you said, there's not really many strong quarterbacks. Next year, I don't foresee many other strong quarterbacks as well. Um, Yeah, You got a couple, but again, I just, you know, I don't know if Ben will last two years.
0: I don't think he will. I think this is it. I mean, we went into this year – I remember we talked about this the first time you were on, we were talking about where Ben's I was, I've been a Ben defender. Cause I think I, I didn't want to write him off too quickly. Um, but I think we're seeing now, basically the last he's played six games this year. And then you go back to maybe the last six to eight games he played last year. You're starting to look at like a full season's worth of content, material, whatever you want to call it and data. Whatever you want to call it, it's not good. And I think that, you know, the offense is limited with him. Now, with Ben, they still can make the playoffs. They still can, he still can win a playoff game, but the ceiling is stunted. They're not getting past uh, round two of the playoffs. I think Ben is crafty. Like you talk about craftiness, he can win some, he's, he's going to win more games this year. Um, and they can win with him but they they can't win a super bowl with him. And it's like unless I know their defense is great. You know, like the Broncos won a S- super bowl with their defense in 2015. Peyton was kind of like what we're talking about with Ben right now. Yeah. But I don't know if a team if a team can ever win with defense like that anymore in the NFL with the way that the league's changed so much. We haven't seen yeah. anyone do it since.
1: Yeah. Um and as you were talking, I kind of – someone popped in my head, man, I would uh, I would go after Andy Dalton somehow. Mm. I think he's not a guy that's going to be long-term future, but he's a guy who can buy you enough time to find your long-term guy. Yeah, um, I like that. He's, he's a guy with experience. He's got plenty of time left in the league. He's nimble enough. Um, he's played in plenty of big games. He's in a backup role right now.
0: I, think I, I also – I think that's kind of I – I think he's a lot better than a backup quarterback. I think he I th- should. I think so too. And I think he's yeah. a guy who could fill in
1: when needed in that system um, even just next year. I mean, where else are you going to find a guy with experience who, you know, has been in the big games and who can perform this this late really? Um I think that's a good option. He, I don't know why he just popped in my head, but um, I'm sure there are other guys out there. Too.
0: I will say he does not have a good track record at Heinz Field playing for the Bengals. Yeah, yeah.
1: well, <laughs> I think playing at Heinz Field when you're not playing for the Steelers is a little different, especially <laughs> yeah. when you're with the Bengals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. What else stuck out to you this past week? Stuck is a new word. I just invented it. <laughs> uh,
1: John Gruden. For sure.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get on Gruden here. We'll yeah. wrap with him, but what else before Gruden? Um man,
1: I'm trying to think.
0: Um, I mean, you know who I think's playing some really good football and it's un- overlooked. Uh in addition actually two quarterbacks. One plays on that uh Raiders team, Derek Carr. Derek Carr's having mm-hmm. a good year, and then Kirk Cousins. I, I don't think the Vikings are everyone always likes to talk about how good his weapons are. Their defense isn't, isn't very good. Kirk's been putting up some good numbers and he led them to another victory this past week. I think Kirk's playing well. Yeah, he
1: is man. And he's always, he's always been a good quarterback. I think the yeah. question is just, is like the people had like to rag him on. Can't he have that big win? Um, and yeah, he did play well. He, he was on my bench in fantasy, and I should have started him. But I'm not about to start Kirk Cousins over Lamar Jackson. So, oh yeah, but um, first world problems, right there. That's that's right. But like, um, something that's funny is that you know the most underrated quarterback in history, um, freaking uh oh god, why am I drawing a blank now? Um, Who do he play on? Oh uh, god. Oh, God, Matthew Stafford.
0: Yes, thank you. Most underrated in history,
1: man. That guy did not play for the Lions for the bulk of his career. You put that guy in a big system. I mean, I wonder where he would be right now. I honestly think it's not too far out of imagination to say that he would be – he could have a possibility of being someone like Aaron Rodgers, having that big of a name. I Um, totally agree. I'd say, you know – it's not too far out of the imagination if he started in the right program that he could have been putting up numbers like Brady and Manning, you know? Um yeah. the fact is the guy's just been struggling with no weapons in Detroit for so long. You put him now in um in the Rams and everything they got going for them out there. I mean, dude, the guy's just and it's, it's funny. It's like he was overlooked for so long, and now that the Rams are winning and he's on a winning team, he's getting more credit yeah. because their team's winning when he's just doing the same thing he's always yeah. been doing. It's crazy.
0: We knew it would happen. I mean, if you've been paying attention to Matthew Stafford, you knew this was going to happen. I said last year, I made the case. I'm like, look, if you flip Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford and Russell Wilson plays in Detroit for 11 years, and Stafford plays for the Seahawks for the last ten years. It, it, their whole the narrative on both guys' careers would be entirely flipped. It'd be like yeah. I, I don't think I'm not to say that they're the exact same. I actually think Stafford is better to tell the truth. Um, but if you put him on the uh, the Seahawks or you know there are a number of other just competent teams in the NFC now, he's on the Rams. People are going to see what Matthew Stafford can do. I, I love it because I think Stafford's a great guy. He's a great competitor. He never complains. There are other guys who are now running their mouth, and they, you know, there's kind of this whole thing of like guys trying to force their way out. Stafford didn't force his way out of Detroit. I mean, he had the worst situation. Cry me a river, Aaron Rodgers. Cry me a river, Russell Wilson. Like, you're playing on the Packers and the Seahawks. Like, r- Stafford spent 12 years on the worst organization in American sports, potentially.
1: Yeah. And that's why, I like, I see all the crocodile tears that Cam Newton put up when he was going through the situation with the Panthers and then talking about the Patriots. And I'm just like, dude, you put Stafford in either one of those situations, and those are two completely different teams. (laughs) I mean, that guy is a baller, man. Absolute baller. Like you said, just takes things as they are. Doesn't complain. It's like he's just – it's like he knows – He's got that quiet confidence of he knows what he's capable of. Um, He doesn't have to tell anybody what he's capable of. He just does it. And it's like he's happy to be there just balling out every game.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Cam Newton, you mentioned him. News earlier today, Cam is vaccinated now, and he got reached out to, I guess I don't know where this is coming from, Seahawks have reached out, potentially, maybe signing over there. They need some quarterback help. I I just don't really think Cam is the guy that he once was anymore. No. Um,
1: I think there's a three-year window for the
0: league to kind
1: of figure you out. I think you get about three years. um, Lamar's pushing it. Lamar's pushing that window (laughs) a little bit, Um, but – I mean, you look at Cam's career, really, it was about three to five years, and people really had him figured out. His tendencies, if you bring pressure from which side, what is he going to do? What moves does he typically do? When, When does he like to throw the check down? And I think Cam has that attitude of, like, maybe if I act like I'm really confident and cocky, people will actually think I'm really confident and cocky. I just think the guy has no confidence in his game right now. And I think it's it's funny. I saw this on Instagram. It was a picture of Matt Jones when he was at Bama with a beer belly. And Cam Newton ripped out of his mind. And it says, one of these guys has a job and the other one doesn't in the NFL. <laughs> <And> it's hilarious. <laughs> but I think the guy's attitude is just killing him, man. I think – I don't know if anyone wants to play with him.
0: I think that it was kind of – I mean, he's, he will get – he'll get his chances. You know, he can – you know he'll probably work out for the Seahawks if if this report is correct. But when you are learning the playbook from a rookie, Mac Jones was teaching Cam Newton the playbook, and Cam was the starting quarterback a year ago. I just think that ship sailed. I I don't think I I, I don't know. I I think he's like you said. He he played and relied on his physicality, and he's. Messed up his shoulder. He had a lot of, like, just not the same guy after he had several injuries. Took a lot of hits. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't think we need to talk about Cam much longer. But yeah. the Colts, oh, a couple more I'll throw in here, and then we'll get to jo- talk talking about John Gruden. Um, Okay, Arizona, oh, no, I mentioned the Colts. I'll start with the Colts. Uh, two and four, big win against Houston. Are the Colts coming back, or are they just the Colts?
1: Carson can stay healthy, man. That's, that's what it all comes down to with him. I feel like that's a team that they have a consistent leader. Then they're going to have someone to follow, and they're going to start catching momentum and good things are going to happen. But it all depends on Carson staying healthy, I think. Um, but, you know, as soon as he gets hurt, their season's down the toilet, I think. What do you yeah. think?
0: I don't know. I don't think they're – anything more than like a an 8 and 9 or like a 9 and 8 team. I think they're just going to end up being an average team. If they end up though, if Carson gets hurt, it could be a good thing for them for them to like although it's not a great quarterback crop. I think it, I think they need to draft a quarterback. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Man, <laughs> what if the what if the uh, Steelers throw the house in the kitchen sink at Andrew Luck, get him to come out of retirement. (laughs) What if
0: that happens? Oh my gosh. I, well, you know what? I would really love someone, someone in one of my group texts. I'm like, yeah, I've been watching Carson strong a lot. I'd love it. If the Steelers drafted Carson strong and my friends, like what if they signed Aaron Rodgers? I am like, I would absolutely love that. I just don't <laughs> want to get my hopes up. I I can't yeah. expect that that would happen. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know that. I would believe that Andrew Luck would come back for before, before they would sign uh, Aaron Rodgers man. But both <laughs> those situations are definitely out there.
0: Aaron Rodgers, by the way, he yelled at the fans yesterday. There was a woman double middle fingers, and so he he popped off and said, "All my effing life, I." own you i still own you fair or foul what do you think
1: fair fair Dude's a legend man i mean he has bears haven't touched him his whole career so <laughs> what he said was kind of true
0: <laughs> so i had some fun with this because i tweeted i said like well if he could play the bears every week then maybe aaron would own more than one nfc championship ring yeah that's true <laughs> that's true but- no, I was having some fun. I, I like to kind of give the Packers fans a hard time from time to time. Uh, Nate Smith, I'm sure you're listening, Smitty. But the thing is, like, I went to a Bears preseason game a couple months ago. I'm walking to the tunnel. I'm walking through this tunnel to get to the stadium, like underneath a, a an interstate, and these fans are chanting, "Packers suck." And this is not a Bears-Packers uh, game. This is a Bears-Dolphins game. And it just goes to show that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are living rent-free in Bears yeah. fans' heads. If that's the your rallying cry, and that's all you have to hang your hat on is to say, Packers suck because they didn't win the NFC title game, then I, I feel bad for you. That's sad. Um if Rogers had just popped off out of nowhere and just said that, like I of nowhere, I, I would say like, yeah, like kind of lame, not, not very cool. But the fact that he was provoked with the double middle finger, I think the double middle finger, you're kind of establishing. All right. All right. Bring it, bring it. So I, I don't know. I think that's pretty fun. It's, it's fun when you have interactions like Rogers wasn't, he wasn't saying something where he's like, I, "I hope you die in a car accident," kind of thing. Like yeah. it wasn't. He's having fun with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, he is. He, I feel like he's one of those guys that is a very good subtle smat talker. Yeah, and that was just one of those situations where that lady didn't know what she was getting into. By doing <laughs>
0: <that>. <laughs> I think she probably enjoyed it. You know, the thing is, and this is this leading to a whole other conversation. People, when they throw a golf ball at Lane Kiffin when they throw popcorn at whatever NBA player it was, Kyrie Irving or whoever it was in the NBA playoffs last year that got hit by popcorn, it feels like, to me, what the internet has done to society, where you can just kind of get your jabs in, say whatever you want to someone without actually having to stand there face-to-face with them. And then when they retaliate, you're not supposed to... You, you you're going to be upset and uh, uh, offended because this person is standing up for themselves but at the same time they love the fact that they're getting that attention like oh i got that person to pop off at me at the same time there's like how rude how could you say that i feel like that's a cult like a, a product of our like internet meme culture that we have today with social media oh yeah dude you're you're
1: preaching the choir on this one man it's one of those things where people can't get hit through a screen. So they'll comment and then you'll comment back and then they'll try to take wh- whatever response you gave them and twist it. And without anyone ever knowing who provoked who and why. And I, I agree <laughs> with your uh, metaphor there. It's uh it's definitely very similar.
0: And you've had your share of people commenting on stuff. And uh, you told me that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I've had, I've had my
1: fair share and I've, I've learned over the years of dealing with it, how the best way to respond to it and when not to respond, when to respond stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's definitely um, part of society now, man. It's unfortunate,
0: but again, that was a very accurate metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, let's we'll chat about John Gruden here and then we can talk about a few other things before we sign off for today's show. Uh, John Gruden lost his job. And was basically, after that, removed from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, Ring of Honor. He was removed from the Madden video game. This all happened after the NFL was investigating the Washington football team for some problems within their organization. So they're reading through all these old emails. They found emails that John Gruden had sent within the years of like 2011 to 2015 or something like that. You know, these are. 10 year old emails. And the New York Times got a hold of them, published a story about the things he said. He was shortly then after that, uh, he officially resigned. The Raiders are, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of settlement. They were owed, he was owed like six years, $60 million as he signed that gigantic coaching contract um, a couple years ago. It was a hundred it was a hundred million, 10 years when he signed it. And this was year four. Um, He resigned. It seems like the Raiders are probably saving money though, with this whole thing. And that was all guaranteed money. Um, And then uh, yeah, I guess that's so in these emails, John Gruden used some inappropriate language. Uh, He used a racial trope in one, and then he used some other slurs um, that he should not have used. But then there were some other things that he said that may have or may not have been blown out of proportion. I'm going to turn this over to you, Garrett, because I know you have a lot of opinions on this.
1: Yeah. Um, the initial situation. I mean, it kind of came across to me as somebody in a high position of power wanted John Gruden gone. Yeah, that's what I think. I, um, think. I know what he said. Um as far as the homophobic slurs that he said um, that he shouldn't have said, but they were directed towards Roger Goodell um, as far as what I've read, at least. And so
0: I will, I will correct you. He, okay. he, he did have one towards Roger Goodell, um, which I don't think in my opinion, I don't think that's a big deal. I think there's a bit, there's a difference between yeah. calling someone of a like that, that slur is targeting towards, um calling them that and calling someone who isn't and i also think that like and we'll talk more about it the the world has changed a lot over the last 10 years in terms of what so like this one word that starts with an f that uh is a slur towards gay people every single comedy movie from the years like 2005 to 2011 was littered with that word and like you could watch Step Brothers, and they, you know, they they say it because it was like used as a prop of comedy, rap music, a lot of music. Eminem's doing the halftime show. He said that word several times in songs, like so. So that was he did use that towards the commissioner. Now he did. And this was the one that I think was probably a little tougher. He referred to uh, gay people as queers, which another one that I think is like an outdated term. We don't do that anymore. Like that's how my grandfather used to talk. Like that's, you know, so what, but the context of what he was saying, I believe was that he was saying the commissioner should not be putting, he felt that the commissioner put pressure on rams head coach jeff fisher to draft michael sam because he's gay and gruden was i think what he was saying i guess i can't say for certain i think what he was saying the core of what he was saying was nobody should be drafted based on their sexual orientation their race their ethnicity which is like the opposite of what like People are saying that he was for. They're saying that he was racist and that he discrimin- he's discriminatory when the content of what he was actually saying, if you're able to look past the slur or the word that we don't say, and we don't call them that, it's not okay. Uh, if you're able to look past that, that's not what he was saying. It wasn't discriminatory.
1: Yeah, and I... I think whenever a situation like this presents itself or whenever somebody puts themselves in a situation like this with their words or actions, um, something our world has overlooked now is let's give them a chance to talk about it, right? So I didn't know this. I was explaining this to um, one of my students when it actually happened the next morning and I was reading an article about it, about... Um, how he said, and I quote, the NFLPA head guy had uh, lips the size of Michigan tires, and- Michelin tires, Michelin tires. Yeah, sorry. End quote. And I said that, and I was like, I guess I took that as a racially insensitive quote. And someone who was across the room said, "No, he's saying he's got rubber lips." And I was like, "What? What does that mean?" And he said, "Rubber lips means you're a liar." He's calling him a liar, and I was like, "Well, I had never heard of that." I'm not saying it's what Gruden meant by it. I'm yeah, just I mean the that. one thing, thing is that a, he let's did give say a chance.
0: He did say the size, so he wasn't talking about like the the texture of Michelin tires. But, but what
1: if he meant, that he's a huge liar. I don't know. Right? I don't know. Right. I have no idea. I'm not. Well, saying I also
0: would say is that I didn't know that that was a racial trope until my yeah. I talked about that with some people. I'm like, oh, that's actually a thing that black people used to get made fun of the size of their lips. I was like, well, that's my ignorance. I didn't know that. It's also possible that John Gruden was ignorant and he didn't know that either.
1: I, man, I didn't know either. And I think a lot of people are only feel offended because they're told they should be offended by something as well instead of actually being offended. And I don't know, again, I don't know how this guy feels about that. I don't know if John Gruden was trying to be racially insensitive or I don't know if he was trying to call the guy a liar. I don't know. This is just an example of how much we don't know, and why it's important to give somebody who makes a mistake like this basically just let them explain themselves. You know, we we saw you so said we weren't going to talk about Bachelor, and I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> no, but we saw go Chris for Chris Harrison, you know, get canned because he basically they they deemed this one. Uh, white girl racist for attending a party when she was in college, uh, a Southern Bell themed party, um, and a Bellin party to be exact. And Chris Harrison basically responded with, Hey, well, how about we just give her a chance to explain herself? And they canceled them for it. And I think there's a huge problem with that to where you try to silence people who may have been in the wrong. But, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of. There's a lot going on right now. And to just say, hey, John Gruden needs to go based off what he said, not let him at least tell people his intention behind what he said or let him talk, period, um, I think is pretty outrageous. And then, again, my billionth tinfoil hat theory is that someone in the NFL office did not like Gruden, did not want Gruden there. And I think – I think it's especially fishy that these comments, or at least one of them was made towards Roger Goodell with all the heat he's been under and all the times him and Gruden and Goodell and the NFL in general and the Raiders have butted heads over the years. I think there's something going on there, um, but that's just me.
0: Well, the other things, I guess, since we're kind of diving into this, the other things that were scrutinized in this New York times story were one that he used misogynistic language because or it didn't actually didn't even say what he said but he basically had a problem with the nfl fast tracking fast tracking female women to be refs and it was basically the idea again is like he's not saying that women shouldn't be refs to my knowledge and i guess like again we don't know we shouldn't. I guess we shouldn't say what we know what he is saying. But I thought what he was saying was, "Hey, I want the best refs out there, regardless of what they look like." But there aren't a lot of women that have the same amount of years of experience. As it takes a long time to become an NFL ref. Like they got a ref at every level. They do it for thirty years. There are women who are refing for five years, and now you're going to make them your refs. And he's talking. I, again, I shouldn't put words into my mouth, but I interpreted that as like he's talking on selecting people based on their merit rather than their appearance.
1: Yeah, and and you know, today's world, you could say that <clears throat> today's. I'm sure out somewhere out there, you're going to have someone hear what I'm about to say and take offense to it. But the fact is, not many women play football, right? And I would argue that a lot of these referees are males that have played football in their past and understand the game, which will give you a head start on officiating to your point. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And I think, again, that's kind of what Gruden was trying to hint at is that like, you know, let's, let's not just try to lack of a better term, be woke and just hire people that society says we need to hire right now Um no matter, you know, what they believe in, what they look like, let's hire the best people for the job. And I think that's what he was trying to say. Again, do we know that? No, we have no idea, but kind of like you, that's how I read it. But I think it got twisted in a certain way, partially because of who released the article don't exactly have the best um, background when it comes to journalism. Um, And partially because of the society, society, what we're going, what we're seeing nowadays. And, you know, the fact is clicks make money. And if you say that, you know, a white coach was racist in the NFL, I think, frankly, it's going to get a lot of clicks. And there's no real integrity by just saying that. Let's again, let's let let's interview the guy. Let's ask him what he was talking about. Let's ask him why he sent that, um, especially since the fact that this investigation wasn't even about Gruden and himself. Yeah. It was about the Washington football team. Um, but, yeah, it's just a messy situation, man, either way, any way you look at it.
0: Well, the other things that were scrutinized in this New York Times publication, it was like, well, he also uh, I want to try to make sure I get all this right. So all the things we mentioned, there was another thing where um, someone, one of the executives from the uh, Washington Redskins at the time, they were still the Redskins, sent him a picture of like topless cheerleaders. And I mean, Gruden's not even sending that picture. He's receiving it. Now, that's something that should definitely be investigated in terms of like, wow how is he getting these pictures of the topless cheerleaders? He's in a position of power. He shouldn't be doing that. Um, but on the surface level of like, yeah, like there are a lot of men who like looking at women don't, who don't have clothes on. Like that's a problem in our society. Like we need to pornography is a big issue. Uh, on top of that, the other things, one was that he took exception to players kneeling for the national anthem. And, you know, that is a thing that divides people half, half the fans. If that, you know, it's split pretty evenly. Some people don't have a problem with it. Some people do like, that's not, you can still have the opinion that people should stand for the uh, national Anthem that's not like an opinion like that's not that's ridiculous to say that that's racist to have that opinion that people should stand for the national anthem like what happened over the last five years how did we get to that point and the only thing was he criticized joe biden and barack obama well i didn't know that that was a racial thing to criticize like apparently, it is <laughs> people criticize politicians all the time left and right and that's fine you know we we don't want to eliminate free thought
1: yeah it's well again it's just part of the world we're living in you know if you're not someone who supports those two presidents then you are someone that our society deems to be racially insensitive or racially motivated in
0: some way right and and, well i want to say i want to say there's a portion of the society that does that. It's not our correct. Whole society. Correct, correct, correct. I don't want people um, to take you out of context.
1: Correct. Thank you. A portion, uh, um, in the grand scheme of things, is a very small portion too. We yeah. Should say yeah. also.
0: Yeah, and most um, people, regardless of left or right, I think most people are decent and respect each other. It's just like the radicals on both sides that make this whole thing crazy. Right, Continue. and
1: it, it's like it's it's kind of like that thing where. Like, we'll take Twitter for an example. What, there's probably 30 million people on Twitter? You know, there's, what, 350 million people in America? But you hear a few radicalized voices on there. You think, oh, this is how the majority must feel, right? When in reality, it's probably not. Um, But, again, what happened to just, you know, who who cares? You know, I, I don't look at an NFL coach and say, okay, what president do they support? Gosh, you know, I look at an NFL coach and then say, what team are they coaching? Do they have a winning record? Do they have a great team? How many Super Bowls has he won? I like that and I think that's the whole general problem with the NFL overall is that people in sports overall, and people will go there for an escape from all this stuff that we're bombarded with every day. And um, you know, to, to bring politics into athletics like that and to you know, consider firing a guy because he criticized two presidents that maybe you were for. And that's just insane to me. And
0: I don't know why that was included in this story. I like don't that, I don't that know why wasn't I relevant
1: at all. And again, I think it was to paint a picture about John Gruden. I think it was. And I think, again, someone wanted him gone. And that's why I think you get all these different instances that happened all brought up conveniently at the same time to paint a picture about Gruden and they just wanted that guy out of there. I, I, I mean, again, like, I think that's what happened. And because it's just like they were picking and choosing and trying to find things everywhere about him. Um, yeah, it's because you're right. It wasn't, you know, if you're looking at the comments he made in the 2011 email and you want that article to be about those comments then why do you bring up his political beliefs? about a current-day president. I don't get that.
0: Well, okay. So then you bring up what was really going on here, and I totally agree with you. What I think happened in this case, the NFL wanted him out because he called Roger Goodell an anti-football P-word, and he also called him that other slur that we don't call gay people because it's not appropriate. And we shouldn't say, as it's wrong. And, you know, like, look, I want to make it clear. Out of context, these things don't sound good, and he shouldn't have said them. They were wrong. A lot of things he said. Now, you know, if he was critical of the president or the vice president, that's, I'm not, he's not wrong for or right for that. Like, that's just, you know, subjective opinion. He's free to have that. He did do a lot of things that were, you know, things that you shouldn't say. However, oh, yeah, I guess I'll come back to this in a second. I want to go back, though, to what you were saying about how this was being used against him. I think the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders want to get out of this contract because they own a lot of money. And I think they're saving money by it. And look, I think John Gruden's a really good coach. I think he, the, this team had the potential to be good this year. Maybe they still will be good. They won this past week without him. But if you look at what happened with this team or last first three years, no playoff appearances with him as a head coach, just win, baby, is the uh, you know, that's the expectation. That's the motto of the Las Vegas Raiders. They're expecting more, and they haven't won a whole lot. So there's that. And then I think Goodell definitely in the league office definitely wanted him out. So Having said all that, like these things were used against him and the Raiders are saving money. That's my read. And they have a right to do that. They they don't have to keep them as their coach. This may be a little dirty as a way to, to um you know, I, I don't have a I guess what I'm saying is I don't have a problem with the Raiders making this decision, but I don't like I don't like Madden getting rid of him, getting rid of him from the game. I don't like this idea that he can never work in the media ever again. I don't like that he's now kicked out of the ring of honor. What What did he like? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant here for a second. But here's the thing, Garrett. You and I are both Christians. And we know as Christians that we are flawed human beings deserving of grace. Jesus lived a perfect life. And no one else has done it since no one did it before that. We all need Christ in our lives to be redeemed. We all need it because we're all flawed. We've all sinned. We've all come up short. And this kind of, you know, people call it cancel culture, but whatever it is, this idea that you've screwed up and you've done things because he did, he did sin in this case. He did some things, not everything we, we highlighted, not everything was maybe as bad as it seemed, but he did sin. He did say some things that he shouldn't have said, but at the same time, like two things on this one, go, let's take anybody, their Facebook messages, their texts, their Xbox live parties, every transcript, every private conversation they've said for the past 10 years, every single person is going to have things that they said come up and they are not going they're gonna be things that they're not proud of that they said. They were said in private and they were wrong. It doesn't mean that they but at the same time, like are we gonna play this game and just say, Well, you know what, Garrett, you you said something very hateful to a guy that you used to be friends with in twenty thirteen and it wasn't it wasn't insensitive or anything like that. It was just a really mean thing. And you had hatred in your heart when you said that thing in 2013. And because you said that, you shouldn't be able to do anything else and get work in this society. Like, that is crazy. And it's all a product of godlessness. And when you don't have that perspective to extend grace and know that we all need grace, that's what I find. You know, it's sad. Um, And I'm praying that we we can kind of, you know... Like, and I'm not even... Yeah, I, I guess I'll turn it over to you here. I feel like I've said my piece.
1: <laughs> Man, I, so I'm going to take this for anyone listening that might not have the Christian background that we do. I'll yes. take it from a, from a growth perspective, right? So um, when I was on the show, they scanned through social media channels and looked at things that we like posted and recommended things that we should probably delete before we get exposed to this mass media rage, right? Um, one of the things I posted was I wrote on a friend's wall on, on Facebook in 2007, happy birthday, gay boy, right? guys, <laughs> guys, guy not homosexual at all. It was just me being an eighth grader yeah. posting on social media. Now, and that's in, in The Hangover, too.
0: Yeah. Chow, yeah he calls exactly. them gay boys, and it's used as
1: comedy, and we laugh. Yeah. And now I'm 30, and I understand, hey, a lot of growth has taken place. I understand that that is not something that I need to be saying these right. days because of the growth that I've experienced, right? You, you'll you say, and I've heard this argument of, Oh, well, John Gruden was a grown man in 2011. Okay. Yeah, he was, but guess what? He has had 10 years of growth from now until from, from then until now. Right. So maybe he has learned new things of, okay, maybe this is not appropriate to say in an email. So instead of, instead of saying, okay, you know, this happened a decade ago. You know, would he say this now? I don't think he would at all. I don't think he would sniff anything close to that. And I would also argue that if you're one of these people that are going to blankly label him a racist or homophobic, I I would watch last season of uh, Hard Knocks on HBO and look at how many of his players, no matter the skin color, loved playing for the guy. And I think that is the John Gruden that is the legitimate John Gruden, right? And I just think, you know, yes, we need grace. Yeah, everyone deserves grace. We are not perfect. We all fall short. But if you're not someone who is a Christian, I think if you look at it through the lens of growth and over time and how not only do people change, but times change, things that were appropriate 10 years ago are no longer appropriate, and then understand, okay, well, back in, back when he said these things, right, let's look at the way culture was and let's just, hey, let's forgive him, all right, and move on from it. It doesn't have to affect us because it happened a decade ago. And, again, not getting political, but should throw it out there that, hey, if we're going to look at emails from 10 years ago of a football coach, then what are we doing with our current-day politicians? And if we're going to hold our football coaches to that standard, Why are we not holding people that dictate some actions in our lives to that same standard? And again, it's a little hypocrisy going on there. Um, had to throw that in,
0: not getting to. No, that was pretty tame. You didn't take a partisan side. So I think that's good. We're not partisan podcasts. And this, none of the stuff that I think we're talking about right now, like typically I try to stay out of this territory, but the reason that, I want to talk about it today is because I want to approach it from a Christian perspective of how people need grace. We all need grace. We've all fallen short. And because Jesus forgives us, we should forgive others. And when we live in a society, when we take God out of the picture, we take Christ out of the picture. And I'm not look. I know some people are listening to this and they don't share the same faith as you and me. And you know what? That's, that's okay. Like, I'm glad you're listening to this. And I'm friends with people who are atheists. I just had an atheist on this podcast like a couple weeks ago. And like, we talked about, he talked about why baseball is meaningful to him because he doesn't believe in God. And like, you know, I, I want to, I I don't want to be in a a bubble of people that only think the same thing as me. I just want to talk about my faith and that which drives everything in my life. And this is a Jack Vita show. Dang it. I'm going to talk about my faith. So I think that's why, you know, it's important for us to talk about is just this idea of having grace and extending grace and that we all need grace and we're all flawed. And like you said, we all have things that we've said. And you know what? Look, I know some people are going to listen to this and say, Yeah, you know what? I never used any of that kind of language. Okay. Well, props to you. That's great. And, you know, Garrett and I didn't either. Like, we probably said other things that weren't good. And you probably also said things that weren't good. If you're listening, everyone did. It might not be in terms of the stuff that's punishable these days, in terms of what John Gruden said, but maybe you talk badly about someone and that came to light. And now everyone knows that you slammed this person. Let's say it was like your your sister's husband or something like, you know, like no one wants to play this game of having their private life exposed to the entire public and have them have to pay the consequences for opinions that could have changed over the last 10 years. Like, for instance, let's say some guy says in 2011, he says like, I really hate my brother's girlfriend. Well, now they're married. And he's like, I actually loved her. She's great. I had the wrong thought 10 years ago. It's just, it's crazy town to me. Yeah. And again, it's,
1: it strikes me as if someone was looking for something about a certain somebody, because again, let's, let's remember in something that gets thrown under the rug, this investigation was not about John Gruden. Right. It was about the Washington Redskins at the time. Now the Washington football team. And, you know, I think the question to ask, too, is what else did they find that we're not finding out about because of this John Gruden situation?
0: Well, they claim that John Gruden is the only coach that used any kind of bad language in all 650,000 emails that they found. (laughs) Garrett, you and I have been in locker rooms. We've heard far worse things. Said. Oh, my
1: gosh. Yeah, man. Uh, I've been called so many things that I cannot repeat by football coaches. I mean, <laughs> it's, there's no way, especially in an organization like the NFL. There's just no way. But, again, <laughs> God. I well, forgot. I asked, it was 650,000 emails, too. That's insane.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing is, like, I see some people, and uh, like – Posting stuff like, oh, yeah, he's so bad. Like, yeah, this is really bad. Like, he deserves it. I'm like, I remember you in college. I remember you saying things that were far worse than this. But now you're, you're going to cover for yourself and point out, you know, it's like that part in the Bible where, you know, Jesus says, if you want to call out sin in someone else's life, remove the plank from your own eye. Remove the speck from your own eye so that you can see. And a lot of times it's like, you know, then another, you know, another part of the Bible is in in the Gospels. I don't have this specific passage, but which uh, what reference it is. But you know, there's a woman caught in the act of adultery, and the Pharisees and Sadducees, these people who really like to showcase how religious they are and how great they are, hypocritical followers of the law and they say Jesus the law commands us to stone this woman and he says let whoever is without sin throw that first stone
1: yeah and I think I think the reason why people are so quick to hop on that train of recognizing somebody else's sin is because they haven't forgiven themselves for their own sin or haven't pursued God for forgiveness for their own sin So they're looking for something to cover it up by going after somebody else's sin. And I think that's, that's simply all it is. And again, it's, you know, it's not only pursuing God to forgive you for your sin, but you got to forgive yourself as well. And I truly believe that once both things have taken place, there's no need to go after anybody else and the mistakes that they've made. And I think that's the conditioning of, again, not, not all of society. Is. like we mentioned earlier, a small part of society that seems to be very prevalent these days. And it's something that you know, just got to pray it's going to change at some point.
0: And I just want to make my thing clear. Cause I know I'm sure there may be some people who listen to this and they might want to take anything that we've said out of context. I believe that the Raiders had their right to remove him as their coach. And I don't think that's right or wrong. I think That's a whole other conversation. And I also am not saying that his behavior is defensible because he did things that he should not have done. I'm just saying that, again, we said again and again, he should not be defined by the mistakes that he made. Um, And you know what else? I'll say one more thing. Why is it that the first actively gay player Feels comfortable coming out when John Gruden is his coach. He can't if John meet.
1: Gruden if John Gruden is homophobic. Yeah,
0: yeah, like, that that doesn't make any
1: sense. It doesn't, man. And again, like, I mean, I'm telling you, go watch Hard Knocks from last year. I mean, his players loved him, and I believe that's why he was offered such a big contract. I believe that's yeah. why they started playing so much better. Is because nothing will, especially in the NFL, man. These guys are making millions of dollars. Money's not motivating. You want to play for a coach that you love and you want the coach to succeed and you want to succeed for him. And, you know, I just, man, I, I, again, to your point, the Raiders have every right to do whatever they deem necessary. We are not saying at all that what John Gruden says is not a big deal. All we're saying is that we don't know. And, was it taken out of context? I believe so. Does that mean it actually was taken out of context? I don't know. Maybe he meant everything that he said in the worst way possible. We have no idea. But with you, with what you're saying about forgiveness, I'm also going to say, again, let's give the guy a chance to explain before we just yeah. trash his whole career. That's all I'm saying is I want to offer the perspective of what if all the bad things that he said weren't actually bad things and he met them completely differently. It's just a perspective. We don't really know, unfortunately.
0: And I think that's a great place to uh, wrap up on that. Garrett, we've gone way too long, but what has God been teaching you lately? Patience, patience, big time. Um, it's, uh, you know,
1: I had a very rough end to 2020, very rough relationships were bad finances were bad didn't have a purpose didn't know what i wanted to do um as far as my future long-term plan and you know i went to i went to therapy i talked to friends i made smart decisions i did everything that seemed to be the right move and for months and months and months nothing got better and i was just like dang like When am I going to catch a break? Like I've been doing all this. When is it going to happen? Well, sure enough, one of my friends that I met years ago, you know, started his own business, hired me on. It's a blast. It's a family-owned business. It's a great family. You know, everything's great now. And it's one of those things where like, now I can see how if I'd given up when times were tough and I was putting in that work, I never would have gotten to reap uh, the benefits of everything that's going on right now. So patience is the number one thing he's taught me. It's just do the right thing, um, do what makes you happy, and trust God's
0: timing, basically. Amen. That's that's a great answer. I love that. Everything's going well for you right now, it seems.
1: Yeah, thank you, man. It's going awesome. What about you?
0: Uh, that's a great question. What is God teaching me right now? Hmm, it's funny because I, I like to ask that question and I don't get it flipped back to me. Uh, so I, let me think. I'd say that like patients like you talk about in terms of that was something for me personally, for those who are just listening to this show for the first time, I had my thyroid taken out a couple years ago. I had thyroid issues for several years. Uh, was di- everything was going according to my plan. My oh, Going into my senior year of college, I'm like, I'm finally going to graduate. This is great. Finally done. Don't want to be in school forever. I want to go do this journalism thing. I'm going to do something like what I'm doing now. I couldn't. I couldn't because I started having all these health issues. I had my thyroid taken out in February 2019. I finally start feeling healthy around March of 2020. And then COVID just shuts us down. And... I've noticed in every step of the way, like, yeah, it was inconvenient for me, but it was what I needed in order to be where I am now. And for me to grow in my relationship with Christ in order for me to, you know, you can't, some people I try to tell this to like perseverance, the way that you can develop perseverance is when you don't have a choice, but to persevere. So like there are times where you're enduring something and it's hard and it's easy to, to move away from it. And sometimes, uh, in fact, a lot of times the right decision is to move away from it. In my case, I couldn't run away from feeling like crap all the time. Like it, it just wasn't, you know, I didn't have any other options. It's just like, this is what's going to happen. When you deal with something like that, it really grows you in your trust of, in your relationship with Christ. Um, and so I think similar to what you're talking about, I'm definitely learning a lot about trusting God's timing. I think would be specifically because we all want to have our own timetable. Oh, well, like that person's my age and they're making all this money um, and they're married and they have kids or, you know, they got this job or they're living in this part of the country. And it's like, yeah, but that's God's plan for someone else. His plan for you is different. It's unique. It's, you know, I, I'd say God's plan is perfect, but your life isn't going to be perfect. And yeah. I've been kind of seeing a lot of ways of like, okay, this is why I am where I am right now. And I don't know what the next thing's going to be. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, I, I don't make much money doing this show, but I love doing this show and I want to try to grow it. And same thing with my website, or am I going to take a job doing something you know, in journalism somewhere else. I, I don't know, but I'm just going to trust God. Does that answer your question?
1: That was the best. It does, man. <laughs> it does, man. Yeah. Yeah. This time is everything.
0: Absolutely. We got a question from a commenter. Would you take San Diego State plus four versus Air Force? What do you think, Garrett? Uh, I'd take Air Force. I'd say don't gamble. That'd be my first tip.
1: <laughs> I'm not a gambler either so I don't know if you should listen to me or not, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I would say though what Garrett's saying, I would that would not be something I feel comfortable with because whenever you face one of those service academies, a lot of times you see these teams, they don't know they're they're not used to facing the offense like the triple spread offense of Air Force and Air Force has a good team. So uh, I don't know who the home team is in that case, but I wouldn't touch it. Anyway, Garrett, this was an absolute blast. Uh, what have you been working on lately that you'd like to plug? How can people find you?
1: Yeah, so uh, at P is my handle on Instagram. That's the only social media outlet that I have because I'm trying to sim- simplify my life a little bit. Uh, but yeah, just uh, Pebblehurst is the business that I work for. Mom and Pop Shop, but it's a golf shop in Homewood, Alabama. We pride ourselves on carrying items, brands that no other golf shop carries, not like your big box retailers, while at the same time still carrying your OEM brands that you recognize day in, day out. Um, We specialize in specialty putters. Um, I give lessons and fittings as well, so if you're ever in Birmingham, stop by and see me. And their their Instagram page is at Pebblehurst, and our website is www.pebblehurst.com.
0: All right. Well, Garrett, it's always a treat talking with you. This was a blast. We definitely went the distance on this one. Uh, Maybe we'll touch base later in the season when we get that uh, match coming up in November, potentially. That's right. After the Braves win the World Series. Oh, yeah. Okay. If the Braves win the World Series, you have to call in for a short segment. It won't be a full long-form one like we're doing right now, but I'll uh, I'll take a call from you when you get a break at work. 10-minute segment. Yeah, Jack, the Braves won the World Series. <laughs> I'm in, dude. I'm in. All right, good stuff. You guys can check out the rest of this content. Go to jackvita.com, get on my email list, visit my site. We've had a lot of great content lately. Uh Garrett, as you as I've mentioned before, is a big time star. His episodes always get a lot of downloads. We also had a real recent uh episode that got a lot of traction. It was with Stephanie Lagrosa Kendrick, one of these. Stars and Legends from Survivor on CBS. So make sure you guys check that one out. Last week, I did some baseball stuff with Orestes Destrade, who does the Rays games over at Bally Sports Southeast. And then uh, uh, his nephew, Albert, Albert Destrade, uh, who competed on Survivor. We had a fun baseball show. Later this week, I'll be talking with Mickey Morandini, former Phillies World Series uh, player, they didn't win the World Series, but he played in the World Series. i we're going to have some more great guests coming up over the rest of the year. So make sure you guys all hit subscribe to The Jack Vita Show, wherever it is, that you get your podcast. And until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.